So Matthew chapter 6, we'll read 9 through 13. We've been here for a a few weeks, um, and we'll move on from it uh, next week, I believe. So uh, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Last week, we looked at verse 12, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. If you remember, this is a call for humble obedience in our prayers. When Jesus began talking about prayer in, oh, in the Sermon on the Mount, back in verse 5, he said to us, he said, don't be like the hypocrites when you pray. So what comes out of their mouth is not reflective of what's in their heart. They are hypocrites. They have no sincerity in their hearts when they pray. And so in, in our, the example prayer that he gives us in the Lord's Prayer, in verse 12, Jesus goes to our greatest area of need, and that's our need to be justified before a holy God, our need to be forgiven uh, before a holy God, our need to be made right with God. And so he appeals to this in order to show us that we cannot ask God for blessings in our lives and expect to receive them if we also have no uh, intent uh, of obedience in our heart. So our prayer, our request for blessing needs to be coupled with a humble obedience. How can you ask for financial blessings uh, from God if you just flat out refuse to be good stewards over what he's given you? How can we ask for help in our marriages? Lord, help my marriage if we refuse to invest and do work in our marriage. If you're, if you're you know, having emotional relationships with people outside your marriage, how can you expect God to bless your marriage when you're putting all your emotional energy into someone else? How can you ask him for a blessing in that area? And of course, Jesus uses the example of forgiveness. How can you ask for forgiveness from God if you have no intention of forgiving someone who has offended you? You've created an ultimate offense against an ultimate and holy God. How can you ask for forgiveness for that if you don't forgive the little debts? Remember the parable of the great debt and the little debt that we talked about last week. So Jesus follows that up with, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil in verse 13. And that's where I want to spend my time this morning, if I may. So... Lead us not into temptation. That's how Jesus prayed. But deliver us from evil. So that raises a question. Do we then have a trickster God? Certainly not. Certainly not. It is, is it right for us to assume that Jesus is telling us to plead with God to be good to us and not to trick us by leading us into temptation? Certainly not. But here's the thing. This is one of those passages that will trip people up. It's tripped a lot of people up. Because they, they come to this and they read this and they might say, well, well why, why would God lead people into temptation? Shouldn't he be doing the opposite? Shouldn't he be leading people away from temptation? We come to this passage and it causes more than a few people 
a great deal of concern, a great deal of confusion. What kind of God would make rules for his people and then lead them into breaking those rules, thus condemning them for all eternity? Why would Jesus tell us to pray, Lord, don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me from evil? Scripture tells us that God is not a God of confusion. That's 1 Corinthians 4.33. But He is the author and finisher of our faith. That's Hebrews 12.2. So we shouldn't have confusion over this. There shouldn't be any confusion over this. Our faith should be strengthened by it. And like we said, the answer, of course, is no. We don't have a trickster God. He's not out to get you. He's not trying to trip you up. Jesus isn't telling us, pray and plead to God to ask Him not to trick you. That's not who He is. He's not out to trick you, and he's not out to, to get you. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither, or, and, he tempts him, and he himself tempts no one. So God does not lead into temptation. God leads us into faith. In Luke 17, the first two verses, Jesus said, Temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. So Jesus said that if someone tempts someone to sin, if you are a tempter, if you cause someone to stumble, if you are the source of temptation, it'd be better for that person if he were cast into the sea and drowned. So God condemns those who lead others into sin. Do you see that? It's, it's worthy of condemnation. So God is not a, a man that he should lie. And he's not the son of man that he should change his mind if he said it. It is. It is wicked. It is damnable. It is uh, wicked behavior to tempt someone into sin, to lead someone into temptation. So you can be sure that God has no part of that. I'm belaboring the point because that means, brothers and sisters, that God has never told you to leave your spouse for someone else's. I don't care how happy you think it might make you. If you think that's what's going on, then you are deceiving yourself. God has never told you to enter into sin, ever, because God does not tempt anyone. And if he did, he wouldn't be God anymore. He would be worthy of condemnation, and that's certainly not the God that we serve. So when Jesus teaches us to pray and say, lead us not into temptation, what he is not saying is, Father, please don't tempt me, because God does not tempt. So what is it then? What, is, what are we to take from from this last verse of the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. To answer that question, I think it's good for us to look at where temptation does come from. Where does temptation come from? When we are tempted by sin, and Jesus said temptation will come. So when we are tempted by sin, what is the source of that temptation? I think if we know that, then we know what it is specifically that Jesus is teaching us to do when he says us, tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation. <clears throat> Back in James, we read the first verse of it. Back in James chapter 1, we have a great explanation on the source of temptation. I don't think it gets any more clear and to the point than what James says in chapter 1, 
verse 13 through 15. Again, we, we read that before. He says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So, what is he saying? When you are tempted, it's not God that's tempting you. You are being lured and enticed by your own desire. So no one is ever tempted by something that he does not want. Think about that. Period. Temptation does not come to you through things that you don't want. And that, brothers and sisters, is something for us to give some weighty thought to. When temptation comes, the Lord did not lay it on you. Who did? You did. Isn't that what James says? It's your own desire. That's what temptation is. It's desire. And this desire is yours. Desire that you have. If you didn't desire it, it would not be tempting to you. I'll give you an illustration. I know this illustration does not capture the, the weight of sin. It's not weighty as sin. It's just a lighthearted, simple illustration to try to demonstrate a point. But as far as temptations go, as far as, I mean, just general temptations, personally, me personally, I have never, not now, not ever, and I can say with some degree of, of certainty, I, I never will be tempted by liver and onions. Some people love that stuff. They love their sin, too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just the thought of liver and onions makes me want to gag. Mom and Dad love it. They, boy, they... Uh, mm. Yuck. That's the worst meat. I don't... And I like steak. I'm a meat eater. I cannot stand... Oh, it just... It's awful. I, and I'm not saying that because, oh, you know, like a lot of kids, they just don't want to eat vegetables, even though they've never tried them. They don't know why they don't like it. They just don't want to eat it because it's vegetables. That's my daughter. Um, I, I, I have tried liver and onions, and I, I, can, I don't like it. I don't like it. I was, it was what was put in front of me. And when I think about that experience, I don't understand why they did that. We were, it was, a, no, I'm not kidding. Um, we were, I was in high school. So we were like, you know, freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors in high school. I think I was, it was my junior year maybe. And they did this thing with the local government where they would select uh, some, some uh, you know, I don't know, gifted students from uh, the schools and they would go and do a local government thing where they'd shadow members of our, 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 our municipal government, you know, the mayor and the commissioners and, and all that stuff. And so we did that for a day and, and we all got together, had a big fancy lunch I forget where it was, but the, you know, the fancy lunch, they, and it was nice. I mean, it was, you know, you know, China and silverware, and it was a very nice setting, uh, but they served us liver and onions. All these high school kids, they served us liver and onions, and I didn't want to be, I mean, this is a, this is a special experience, you know, we're shadowing government officials, and, and we're representing our, and I didn't want to be like, uh, no, thank you, so I, I ate it, I didn't like it, but I ate it. It was hard to stomach, but I did. Why would, you, why would you put liver and onions in front of a bunch of high school kids? I don't get it. But that's, that's what they did. 
Let me tell you, I was not tempted by that food. They set it down in front of me. I had to, I had to, I had to, yes, I had to man up and just, just so as not to offend my hosts. I am not lured or enticed at all by liver and onions. Why? Because I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. In fact, not only do I not want it, but it's not like I'm, I'm just ambivalent to, to liver and onions. I have pretty strong feelings about it. They're just not good feelings. I don't like it. I prefer it not to exist in my presence. So that food, it holds no power over me to entice me. Right? However, if you were to set Mama's chicken fried steak down in front of me, even on a full stomach, I've already had lunch. You're trying to convince me to have lunch number two. It don't take much convincing. And why is that? Because I want it. I already want it. I am lured and enticed by it because I, I want it. Now think about that. The things that tempt us, the things that lure and entice us, the sins in our lives, they are temptations. They are lures and enticements because we want them. Things that should disgust us like liver and onions. And we want it. They don't disgust us. Think about it. How wicked that we are. How desperately we need redemption. Look at at verse 15 in, in James chapter 1. He says, Then desire, that luring and enticement, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It's desire. Our own desires that give birth to sin. When you sin, think about why. When you react to someone in an unloving way, and you just lash out, think about why. What desire are you fulfilling? Certainly a selfish one. It would have to be. What is it in the desire that is so appealing to you that it causes you to sin? So back to the Lord's Prayer. What are we uh, to take from lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil? What do we take from that? I believe the goal here is to express a desire, to have desires that are God-glorifying and Christ-exalting, not flesh-fulfilling. Lead me not into temptation. In other words, lead me away from desires that are not your will. Lead me away from desires that make less of you. Lord, take me wherever you want to go, just so long as it's not away from you. Amen. Isn't that what Moses said? I'll go with you as long as you go. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, Lord, if there is any way that this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Isn't that the same thing? 
Think about it. Isn't it the same thing? Lord, lead me away from this temptation. Deliver me from this evil. Now, I've told you before about this particular instance where Jesus is praying in the garden, that this is a very vulnerable moment for Jesus. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way as we are. That he faced the same kinds of temptations, which means that he had the same kinds of human desires, but yet he was without sin. That means he did not allow himself to be lured or enticed by fleshly, God-opposed desires. So when staring at, at death in the face, a very gruesome and painful death on the cross, you know that every bone in his body had to be crying out, No! There has to be another way. I'm not just putting that on him. I'm not trying to personify uh, the story that we have in Jesus or bring him down to my level. Luke is pretty clear when he explains what happened, what Jesus went through. We know that there was great inner conflict and great turmoil in him. There was a great struggle in him because of how Luke describes him praying in the garden. He says he prayed with such fervency and he was so distressed. The Bible says he was in so much agony, Luke said, that he began to sweat as if it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. You don't have a physical response like that without a great assault on your mental and emotional being. He was under assault. Because he knew what he had to do. What was set before him. There's his body, his flesh. I don't want to. You ever do something? You ever face something that you knew needed to be done, but you, I just, I don't want to do that. That's going to hurt. But if I get through it, it'll be okay. If I can just get through to the other side of the exercise, right? (laughs) Working out. If I can just get through it, it'll be better. But I don't want to do it. I don't want to make light of what Jesus faced in the garden of of Gethsemane. But it it was because it was a big deal. But he had to pray, Lord, not my will, but your will. Essentially, he's saying, Lord, lead me out of this temptation. Deliver me from this evil. So then, Lord, lead me not into temptation, meaning bring me to desires that are righteous, but deliver me from evil, meaning grant me strength to overcome temptation. When it arises, how does that even work? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul gives us a very famous passage here, 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 13. He talks about temptation. And he talks about our, our weapon against it. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Look at how Paul puts it. There are times when temptation will catch up to you. And it will overtake you. It will come upon you. And this is common. It happens to everybody. So you're not alone in that. This will happen. Temptation does come, and there are times when it will catch up to you. But God is faithful, he says, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
I'll touch on this later, but, but read that carefully and understand that what Paul is saying is that when you fall into temptation, when temptation gives way to sin, when the, that lust and desire is conceived and born into sin and sin, when it, it, it's you that did it. It's because you wanted it. And you are fully equipped with everything you need to not do it. That's what he's saying. It's not, isn't, isn't that what Jesus is telling us when he, when he says to us in Matthew, he says, pray like this, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Mm-hmm. Isn't he telling us to ask for a way of escape Amen. from temptation? Give me a way of escape. And Paul says here in his letter to Corinth that God provides the way of escape that you may be able to endure it so that you can face temptation and not fall into sin. Let me see if I can make this uh, connection a bit more clear. If we go back to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus, he, remember he, he went to the garden and he has his disciples. He told his disciples, y'all stay here. And then he goes, he takes Jesus or Peter, James, and John a little further on and he tells Peter, James, and John, stay here and pray. Stay, you know, stay, stay watch and pray with me while I go and I'm going to go a little And he went a little bit further to pray, to get off by himself to pray. And then this is in Matthew 26, Verse 41, he comes back and he finds them all asleep. And what does Jesus say? He says in verse 41, he says, uh, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So here Jesus, he's talking to Peter. The Bible says he addresses Peter specifically. He was kind of the ringleader. And he addresses Peter and he says, Peter, there's a, there's a reason that I told you to stay here and, and to pray. It's so that you will not enter into temptation. There's a, there's a weapon that you have. There's a tool that you have. There's a shield and a buckle that you have against temptation. And that is that you stay and pray. Prayer is your defense against temptation. Prayer is your shield against temptation. Prayer, as Paul would put it, is your way out. He will not let you fall in temptation or he will not put temptation on you that you cannot handle. That He will also give you the way out. What is the way out? It's prayer. You know how hard it is to fall? Everyone's tempted. Okay, temptation comes. But to fall into temptation, to give in to temptation, you know how hard it is to give into it at the same time that you're asking God to deliver you from it? I mean, that is, that's a difficult thing to do. It would have to be an utter rejection of God. Amen. Utter rejection. I mean, I mean, I get it. I understand that, you know, we all have weak moments and moments where we're, we're caught off guard, moments when our flesh uh, desires get the best of us, when you, you actually do trip, you actually do stumble. You know, someone just rubs you the wrong way and you, you've got a ton of other things on your plate. You've had one of those days. Nothing has gone right which sometimes seems like every day of my, my week. Like, if it can go wrong, it does, but that's because I work in, a, in an industry where I, I'm a problem solver. I, I, I don't have a job unless something's broke. You know, if, if everything's working, they don't have any reason to hire me or pay me. So that's, no one ever talks to me unless something's broke. And so I, sometimes I just feel like, ah, it's just the way to the world. And then I get the person, it's just a little bit, their tone just doesn't, it may be an email. That's why I can't stand email communication and text because you, you cannot read tone. 
And I always read it the wrong way. And I have to, I have to catch myself and I have to pray, Lord, help me to see this better. I don't want to go to that angry guy and just, just lose it because these people are jerks. No, forgive me for that. They're not jerks. They're just frustrated because their stuff's not working. And I'm the guy they're supposed to come to to fix it. So it's right for them to come to me. I have to get my attitude in check. I have to pray, Lord, help me. You know how hard it is to fall into being angry when you're, you're asking God to help you with your anger? You know, when you're innocently scrolling through social media and then that, there's that image that catches your eye. And so you, without thinking about it, you pause for a minute or a second before you realize that you're dangerously close to lust. Not premeditated, not necessarily calculated, but you just, you trip over your own desires. You wouldn't have paused the scroll if it weren't enticing. Prayer is your defense against completely falling. Lord, help me. You know, I scroll and that thing catches your attention. Oh, I didn't realize, God, I am sorry. Forgive me for even pausing there. Forgive me for the thought. I'm sorry it, it was even in front of my face. You know how hard it is to fall, fall into sin when you're asking God to help you get out of it? I mean, and if you go ahead and indulge that sinful desire after sincerely praying that, after sincerely praying, Lord, help me, draw me to you and away from this temptation. Forgive me for even being tempted by it. If you've sincerely prayed that and you go ahead and indulge that desire, then you are, you're in a place of complete rejection of God. You have, you have come into his presence and you have, you have beheld his face and stood before his throne and said, I don't want you. I reject you. I want that. It's so difficult to do that if you're sincerely asking, Lord, help me. Help me. That's what Jesus is telling us to do, to go to him in prayer when temptation arises. Paul said, you're not gonna, nothing is going to come your way in terms of sin that you cannot handle. You've been given the tools to handle it. So if you fall in it, you did it. There's no, oh, I didn't know, I didn't understand. It was just too much for me. Was, the temptation was too great. There's no such thing. You wanted it. Amen. Amen. How many marriages broken up? The temptation was just too great. It wasn't temptation. You wanted it. I mean, it's temptation because you wanted it. That's right. It wasn't too great for you. You could have said no. You could have pled to God to help you, and he would have. It is hard, not impossible, but hard to just fall into sin when you're, you're crying out to him, Lord, help me with this. Sometimes people ask for help, I get it, and, and they don't really want help. They're not sincere. They're, they're praying like the hypocrites pray. But a sincere cry for help, let me show you something. A sincere cry for help, that is a, a spirit response. And what does Jesus say? The spirit is willing 
The Spirit is willing to do righteousness. That's what he said. The Spirit is willing, indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, I hear people use that statement, and I know that you do too, and they they say that as a way to excuse weakness and sinful behavior. What do they say? Well, you know, he tries hard. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Or, or worse yet, they use it to excuse their own weakness and sinful behavior. Well, I'm, I'm doing my best. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Does it, does it even look like that's what Jesus is doing when he says that? Does it look remotely like that? Like he's a, he comes in and he says, well, you have got to stay awake and watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Well, I guess the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Go ahead and sleep it off, boys. He's not not excusing them at all. He's not making excuses for them. What is he doing? He's warning them. It's a warning. Your flesh is weak. Stay in the Spirit. That's why he tells them to pray. Stay awake. He didn't say stay awake and meditate. He didn't say stay awake and watch TV. Stay awake and read your scriptures. He said stay awake and pray. A lot of holy things he could have told them to done, but he told them to stay awake and pray. So don't go back to sleep. Stay awake and pray. Why? So that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. It's your flesh that's weak. Amen. Amen. That's because real prayer, real authentic prayer, prayer that goes to God like we've talked about, is, is a holy, completely spiritual, Spirit-empowered thing. The Bible says it is only by the Spirit that we're even able to cry, Abba, Father. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 12 and 3. So if if you walk by the Spirit, you are in willingness. You walk in willingness because the Spirit is willing. You walk in willingness to serve God, to obey God, to glorify God. The Apostle Paul didn't think it was an excuse he didn't look at that statement of Jesus, the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. He didn't think it was an excuse. Look what he wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5. No, to Paul, this was a strategy, not an excuse. Galatians 5, 16, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Watch this, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What is it that leads you into sin? What is it that leads you into temptation? You are enticed by your own desires. Walk by the Spirit, Paul says, and you won't be, you won't, you won't fall into the, the, you won't be gratified by the desires of the flesh. By the Spirit. That doesn't mean walk beside the Spirit. It means walk and live in the power of the Spirit. If you live in the power of the Spirit, you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, you won't fall into temptation. Sincere, Honest, obedient prayer will save you from your sin. Does it redeem you, right? I mean, we have to have sincere, honest, obedient prayer for redemption. Christ redeems, but this will protect. This keeps you from falling into it again and again and again and again. It is a weapon against sin. It is a strength and a buffer against sin. If you're struggling with sin in your life, and I, I mean like there's something that, that you know you ought to be doing, and church, if you're, if you're redeemed at all, you know when you sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you. If you're not being convicted by your sin on a nearly daily, hourly, 
minute by minute basis, I question whether or not you're redeemed. Because the unredeemed person, the unregenerate person does not know he's living in sin. Redeemed people do. It's like the lamb that gets dirty. Pigs love it. Lambs don't. But they still get dirty. So if you're, I mean, if, you, if you're struggling, if you've got something that you're struggling with and it's a besetting sin and it's something that you just, you don't like it. You know, I don't, I don't like who I am when I lash out like that. I don't like who I am when I go down that, that path. And I, I know it's not right, but for some reason I just keep coming back to it. And every time you tell yourself, you know, I'm going to do better the next time. The next time he speaks up to me like that, I'm not, I'm not going to lash out like I did. I'm going to act in love. The next time I see that, I'm just going to keep scrolling. I'm not going to. You keep telling yourself, I'm going to do better. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that again. And, and you just you keep falling back into it. Jesus tells us there's a way. Lead me not into temptation. Paul said, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. All the time, Lord, help me to walk by the Spirit. Help me, keep me. And you know what your temptations are. You've had them come upon you. Pray about them. And the Lord will protect you from them. I believe he gives us some practical advice. I'm all about the practical application of the scripture. And Jesus gives us practical advice on how to avoid sin, how to, how to avoid temptation when it comes. He says, pray. Not just open your mouth, but pray. Call out to God. Lord, help me. I see this and I don't like it. It is so hard to fall into it. When you can see it. You don't stumble over rocks that you see. Prayer is our means of escape. Amen. Amen. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you have given us instruction. That you have given us a means of escape. Lord, we all have things that we desire that are not uh, holy, that are not righteous, that are contrary to your will for us. These things that come at us, Lord, and there are things that are desires of ours. Lord, I ask you today that you help us to see them for what they are, sinful, lustful, wicked desires. And that, Lord, when that comes up and we see these things, that you give us the reminder to reach out to you in prayer, to call out to you. Lord, it is our strength because you have given us strength in Christ. You have made us sons and daughters in him so that we can call you Abba. Help us to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to pray by the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.